So thank you to everyone joining us for this Lively Lunch and Learn. We're going to be covering um, all sorts of marketing challenges right now. Um, we're not going to dwell too much on what's happening. We all know where we are. And I think what's really interesting about some of the conversations we've all been having is that we've got two kind of types of sets of challenges, which we're going to cover today. And it would be really helpful if you guys can interact in the chat to let us know the types of things that one, you resonate with what we're saying, or just questions and challenges that you have right now about marketing. Um, two, kind of the, those two sets of challenges was about the business owner or owner manager and maybe not having a team or they're furloughed or there's a limited amount of resource and budget and knowing you know, what on earth to do next because that marketing plan that you wrote six, 12 months ago kind of needs to be parked for a little bit and we need to reset for what needs to happen for the next 90 days. And then the in-house marketeer who may or actually still be on furlough or have the rest of the team on furlough. And now you're having to do multiple jobs in one in a business that has had to pivot in a few weeks time. And you're probably on your own wondering what the hell do I do next? So that's kind of what we're gonna be covering. And I'm thrilled to have um, these lovely ladies join me today. So Elle from Drew London, Cheryl from Hi. Website In A Day and Stacey from Brand Elective. So we'll jump straight in. Um, I know we've all been having really interesting conversations about marketing and where the hell do we go now. I'm really interested to find out about the challenges that you, your clients and um, marketers around you are facing. So I'll open off. Um, Elle, do you want to kick off? Yeah, hi there. Thank, first off, thanks for inviting me, Charlotte. You're so brilliant at sharing the, this kind of knowledge base. Um, you'll notice I'm actually in an office. This is my first day back in the office for the last nine weeks. So it feels very strange, um, but also really, really quite comfortable. Oh, challenges that my clients have uh, in, in had is, well, multiple really. Um, a lot of my clients are actually business owners. So they have found themselves back at the beginning, back into, they've followed all the staff back to the kind of startup mode that many of them haven't been in for the past 15 years. And it's had a completely different impact on how they've started engaging with their, um, with their customers and with their suppliers as well. And I think the biggest challenge they've had is actually having to wear multiple hats which is which is a you know a massive massive thing. One of my clients described it as a a marathon length sprint, and I think that's a really good description. So I think from this talk and knowing um, the girls are are also part of this, we can come up with some ideas and plans around to help you manage that marathon length sprint. Um, the first one being, I think, just to take a breath. Have you been finding it the same, girls, with your clients, Stacey? Yeah, I think it's just assessing where, where you should put your energy, isn't it? So I think a big challenge yeah. I'm seeing come up quite a bit is um, either increased buying behavior or significantly decreased. I've got both extremes happening across different clients that we work with. And I think for those ones that have seen things slow down, it's deciding what do we continue to invest in? What do we continue yeah. to keep spending money on? Um, and I've had one example, uh, which I think we spoke about in our prep, which was a client that went from spending 38 pounds per acquisition on a customer across Google ads has skyrocketed to 320 pounds due to increased competition market. And that's scary. Like it's a really scary prospect for that business. So it's about transitioning and thinking do we continue that route and just keep trying to compete on price 
or do we take a step back and actually try to fill more top funnel, top of the pipeline, um, go wider with our branding and, and build, educate, inform, and, and build a database that we can then remarket to in three months at a much cheaper cost. So I think that's a big challenge that I'm seeing. Yeah. And sorry, Char, I'm just going to jump in. Um, just in the chat, can you all just, um, just pop in if you are owner manager or um, in-house marketer and the type of company, just so we can make sure that we're putting the challenges there. And I thank you, Carol, for putting your challenge in there. We're definitely going to get to that. Um, sorry, Cheryl. No, it's fine. Actually, so my clients are more business owners and I encourage them and have always have done and some people are a bit skeptical about being you know becoming the forefront of their business so for me and the challenges that i've seen is people will you know i've had multiple photo um, phone calls what should i do what should i be doing and um, can i you know they've got, some of them have got amazing ideas they've taken their business online now i know not everyone can take their business online and there'll be you know, panic phone calls about what they should be doing now that we're in this online world. And it really is about getting yourself out there and how important mm -hmm. that is and showing up. And again, people are like, oh my God, there's many uh, channels to choose from. And you know, how, you need to choose how you're gonna show up and how you're gonna keep reminding people that you're still there. Um, there are online networkings, um, but again, that's still like the old school way because you can only see like 20 people or 10 people in that time. So for me, it's about making videos and getting on your socials, updating your website, putting fantastic content out there. And that's the kind of advice that I've been giving my clients. Cool. Um, and it's great to see there's quite a mix between owner manager um, and in-house marketeer and actually we have got a real mix between B2B and B2C so we're going to have to keep it quite um, open. I think one of the things that happens a lot at the moment is that we want to continue doing everything because we have social, we have PPC, we have organic content, we have paid, we have website performance, then we have new webinar series, podcasts, and, this, and you may have done all of those things, but on limited resort and limited budget, it's kind of important to look at what is the most important channel. Um, a couple of ways that um, I often do that is by taking an audit, and I'm interested, interested to, for us just to have a chat around how, um, brands and business owners can take an audit of themselves and the business and where they need to go. Um, often, and, and by audit, I mean, in case if you haven't, if you're not looking at this already, it'd be really interesting. You might have a few um, digital conversion cycles. So for instance, if in the month of April, you reached um, 2000 people on social of which 500 of them click through to your website. And of that 500, um, 50 of them stayed on for more than 30 seconds, so they're actually engaged. And then two people dropped um, their data, so you converted them to data. At that point where your biggest drop off is probably where your biggest issue is. And if you can only do one thing, maybe just focus there. Um, but that's just one of the tips on sort of auditing. How do you guys sort of approach that? Oh, she's gonna go first. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's really good advice in itself, Charles, is, is seeing where the drop-off space is. And, you know, many of my clients that have an e-commerce solution can see directly where the basket dropout is and, and can make an, a, a kind of a guess as to why and, and can tweak it in ways that will um, 
help conversion. I think with the audit, we always, and I found this really interesting, is the customer profile that you had in March is probably different now. And with that comes the channels that the, that customer will engage with, um, the, what, what they want to hear. So there's many, many things going on. And I would always start with customer profiling to sort of help make sense of your audit. Um, I can guarantee though that if, if you do it just by your own heart and your own knowledge, then it's gonna be very, very subjective. So do you have advice on how you help your clients do profiling? I'll jump in if you want. I just did a big yeah, old session on. this morning online. And um, yeah, I think that you're exactly it. It's like the customer base shifts, isn't it? And you try to decide, do our exist, do our, the avatars that we've been working to to date, do they still exist? Um, it might be that they do, but the sales cycle is now stretched out a little bit. In that case, then you want to be looking at, as I mentioned in the beginning, top of the funnel, how do we just keep bringing people in and just know that that sales cycle is stretched out? Or it's like, let's look at, actually, do those people still exist? Is the person that usually would make the purchase decision from us, has that changed? And if so, we need to do a complete revamp and start your customer profiling or avatars from scratch. And the one piece of advice, I think that loads of businesses really struggle with this when they're doing an avatar, is they're thinking about their dream prospect and their dream client um, and making it up as they go along. And let's be honest, usually they don't exist. So it's really thinking about, right, who's somebody who has purchased from us recently um, that is still doing well and is still likely to continue to buy from us and how do we replicate them? So starting again with your avatar, really figuring out who's that person, what's the demographic, what are their challenges and problems, how do you solve those challenges and problems, and where are they sourcing information? Where are they going to get educated on what you have to offer? So the other challenge I think you've just kind of touched on that, Al, is choosing the wrong platforms. You know, business, a lot of business owners are quite guilty of this, marketers are guilty of this too, For for favoring platforms. It is very much like, it's not about what you want and what you enjoy and which platforms you'd like to be on. It's very much around who's the customer, what do they use, where are they? You have to go to them. And I think starting with that customer avatar profiling, it, it's just essential for, if there's a need to pivot or change, that, that, is, that has to be the first thing that's done. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think it's very difficult that we don't have that time or, um, you know, previously when you did customer personas or an audit, you had the time. And right now, obviously, none of us have that. So we have to do these things very quickly. Um, so beyond the, um, even with the customer profiling and maybe the people haven't, that the person hasn't or the profile hasn't changed, but the person and the emotion and fear has now changed. So um, how are you guys kind of addressing that beyond just maybe even talking to the current customers and where they're at right now. Okay. Al, I think you need to jump in on this too because <laughs> it's branding, doesn't it? It's like yeah. your messaging and your communications and it all starts with brand. It does. And I think the you know I've I was um telling I was boring you girls with some statistics earlier, but I think they're really important actually. Oh, uh, in this in a Sunday Times it said that 30% of, of customers want to hear directly from the CEO. And I think what they want to hear directly from the CEO 
or the business owner is authenticity and honesty. Um, you know, I think people it, being sold to is, is it's not the right time for that. But I think opening up your um, heart and soul and demonstrating that you're human has seen a, a lot of my clients who previously were very behind the scenes. They sort of almost had, um, they were the founders and the entrepreneurs and the, and the, at the very start, the very exciting ones, but they really took the back seat and now they're very much front and center. So, and I guess it's finding, you know, going back to the channels that, that, um, that you should promote across. We've, we've really done a mixture actually with our, with our owners, but I find that the ones that where they're like, Oh, haven't had the best time, but I think I'm going to make it better by doing X, Y, and Z. They've had such an impact on their customer base. It's been absolutely incredible. People are very empathetic at this time and they want to hear the truth. Um, so my advice to business owners is now is not the time for silence. Now is the time to step up. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've kind of encouraged our clients to do a cool little video of how you're getting back and how you're going to, you know, if you're coming in the office, this is the process, come in, wash your hands. Like it, taking it as a bit of a joke, but it was serious here because this is the new, you know, if you want to come in, then, then there's, there's going to be like steps that you can make. Like we're still the same people. And then you can have a little joke and say, you know, I might have a mask on or, a, you know, a visor or, you know, might have an apron on, but when we sit together, we still going to be, it's still going to be the friendly knee that you, you know, were expecting six months ago. So I think it's like a tongue and cheek back to normality um, video would, would sometimes work quite well in de yeah. um, mm. depending on your industry. Yeah. Charlotte, you've done this great. I think you've done a great job of this with your team too, because it's like, it's, I think it's a great opportunity to show off behind the scenes a bit more. If you've ever held back from that in the past, it's an opportunity to be like, right, this is how, this is our team. This is how we're coping and we're changing and we've evolved and we've adapted. And I mean, you've done a brilliant job of this with your team and showing, you know, the quirky stuff and the funny stuff and you've done funny hat things and just add so much personality, I think, to a brand. It's, it's, and that's what gets buy-in, right? Yeah, I think it's like what I was saying, it's about humanizing it. So stop, it's, it's less the, uh, and, and this, and Elbow, this is one of our previous webinars, so I can't take credit for this, but it's about relationships, not revenue. And the relationships that you're building with people right now are the ones that last forever, because they will remember how you treated them or responded in a crisis. So that's, that is really important. And it's just also adding in a bit of playful and funny. So, you know, there's nothing worse now than sort of going onto a website and they've got this very um, legal line about COVID-19 and we are, you know, we're, we're all taking government advice. Yeah, okay, we're all doing that, but let's go a little bit further, step beyond that. What are you really doing as a business? Like Cheryl said, like, if you've got a video of you with this in PPE and it's like, this will be how you see me next time, it, it breaks down that barrier. Um, and really interesting, what I was saying, about 38% of people want to hear from the founder. Um, and that's really difficult as a business owner because sometimes you don't want to be at the forefront. It's taken me quite a long time to even start to do this kind of stuff. And uh, actually, it's really important because people want to see before they meet you who you are and what you're about. If we think about the sales process and that funnel of going from, you know, touch point one to touch point seven through to conversion, 
if you think about being able to break that down the first four touch points just with a simple video that has gone out and that has spoke you know that talks about what you're doing um i think it could really help in not only lead gen but conversion as well mm. um there's a couple of comments in the chat about the top of the funnel and tips on how we drive more people there because we kind of touched on this a little bit the people we are attracting might be different people or the person might have changed so what they need mm. and what they're looking at is going to be different um the fear of purchasing and spending right now is prominent it is it is happening so what can we all be doing to drive more into the top of the funnel um and then we can maybe work further down that in terms of our um, conversion rates and getting into websites as well i would start with um some kind of brand video so talking top level you know vision mission or values or who you are, like what you essentially stand for. Um, so something very high level, this is who we are as a business um, for exposure. And that's getting, you know, using a familiar, familiarity principle, that mere exposure effect to just get visible. And then I think it's kind of as it shifts down and you go into that inform and educate stage is offering something high value. And this is, Cheryl is gonna be able to give you loads of tips on this, but creating some kind of lead magnet that, is irresistible um, and yeah. speak to the new challenges and the new problems that they face, you know, because they are changing, they are different. So whereas, you know, a, a marketer, for example, who's the, the only person left and the rest of their team have been furloughed, the challenge that they have are very real. Um, so creating some kind of content that actually can help serve them and help, help, you know, give them advice on where to prioritize things. Another thing that I think is really important and something that has shifted a bit, with the current climate is the way that people like to consume information i think is really different mm -hmm. so we've always in our agency been massive advocates of hitting across like the four different types of content so we always look at something visual so that will be your video and your images and you know beautiful graphics we want something audible that people can listen to so that's where you get into podcasting or audio books or audio snippets or whatever it might be some written form so books blogs articles etc and then something actionable, so something that people can engage with and do, whether it's a quiz or something quirky and fun, a download, a checklist or whatever. Um, and just remember that even if written form blog content has worked really well for you in the past, that if your demographic has changed or if the way that people are consuming content has changed, that you may need to be shifting the type of content that you're actually releasing. I think that's something that's really important, but I talked more than I thought I would. Cheryl. No, totally relevant. Totally relevant. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, again, I don't know if we're going to talk about websites in more detail, but when it comes to people arriving on your website, um, and like Stacey says, you know, you can have fantastic lead, um, uh, lead magnets, and, and there's some great ideas like a checklist, doing a quiz, having live chats. You know, like all these things on your site to sort of capture them and bring them in and get them to sign up to a list is fab. But all of this is completely irrelevant if your website looks fine. So, <laughs> it, right? Because it's not, it's not engaging. If your graphics are poorly done and, it, you know, it's not going to really bring them in. So if you are going to change up your lead magnets or, or your, you know, if you're going to invest in this kind of stuff, then make sure, obviously we're all, 
you know, design leg around the panel. So of course mm. you're probably thinking, well, yeah, you're going to say that because, you know, we're all, we're all design led, but actually it's so important because somebody, you know, we're just, we judge people by appearance and exactly the same goes for websites. So when we arrive, we need to feel warm and fuzzy and, you know, we need to feel trusted. Um, so there's, that's, those aspects are really important. So, um, again, it depends on how much time you can put into these downloads and, and live chats and God knows what else that you can to, um, you know, get that, uh, those leads it through the door. But ultimately, um, the design needs to be tip top. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm just to add something quickly in terms of saving time, because I think if people are concerned right now with not having time or not having the resources or maybe the money to spend on creating something totally fresh look at how you could repurpose something that's worked well in the past so often it can just be a way of reframing something you might already have so if you've if you've got a lead magnet that's worked really well on your website in the past um perhaps the title just needs a bit of a tweak and the intro needs a bit of a tweak and you just reframe sort of how it's worded to relate to the current you know buying cycle in terms of what people are looking for. So I think rather than, I'm just imagining all these people maybe getting nervous that they have to create all this you know, amazing new content. I would just look at what's performed well in the past and yes, okay, your yeah. demographic might have shifted, the way their purchase might have shifted, but maybe it's just a matter of you reworking that piece of content to uh, use the language they are now using and focus on the problem they now have, but still bringing them to the same solution. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe Charlotte, you could add something on this with regards to looking at the pipeline, because that's the easy place to begin, isn't it? For someone who's short on resources or funds or time or whatever the, you know, we're all short of everything, right? So just thinking about like, how do we make things easier? It's, it's looking at what are those numbers, get into the data. And then I don't know what sort of advice would you give on which part of the pipeline to let's say, I don't know if there's a little tip that we could give for each point in the pipeline of what maybe people should be looking for. Yeah, maybe if we if I break down that that digital conversion cycle and we'll go through each stage. So I think if you already if you hand on heart already really know your numbers, then you'll know where the holes are and you'll know where to focus. Most mm. of us think we know where they are, but when we take a deeper dive, there's lots of other things that come up. And it's a really good exercise for any marketeer business owner to do just to take stock of where we're at. So if we look at all the top of the funnel, which would have email, PPC, Google. Um, um, social organic, paid social, some people might do a few others, but they're going to be the main, the, the top ones. Um, if you think about them at the very top, it's simple Excel sheet, just for, if you look at April and March, and then you can start to record it for May moving forward. If you look at how many people did you actually reach on social, if you want to, you can start breaking this down by, by channel, but the top line numbers that you really need are how many people did you actually reach versus how many engaged versus how many yeah. clicked through and actually got to your website. So if you're really focused on social, that would be a big one to start with. Because if you reach 2000 people in April, but only 100 engaged, your content's not engaging enough. If you reach 2000 people, but 1000 people engaged, but only 100 clicked, the reason to go to your website wasn't strong enough. Or you've put a link in, but it was hidden under the see more, and, or it wasn't there at all and you haven't told them what they're going to get from giving their time to go to the website 
sure. that might be one of those. Um, I think that's then, a problem actually. People don't know what they're getting. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, click here. Well, why? So what? If you're going to take 30 seconds of my time, which is a lot of time now, why am I going to, why am I going to do that? And that's often things that are missed in, in social. And, and, you, and that doesn't have to be a big sales pitch in the, oh, you should read this page because you are going to get this. You can flip this, you can flip the sentence to make it chatty so that you're subconsciously getting why you're going to be there. And it feels like you naturally want to read more. So you would naturally click on it. It would just be a, you wouldn't even realize you're doing it. That's the end, like that's the ideal end goal for organic social. Um, and that's the same with say PPC, SEO, email. Um, and, and before we sort of drop down into the rest of that funnel, maybe we'll just touch on all of those channels and anything you're seeing recently that would help um, in limited time and limited resource. We've got something that we've been working on, um, not necessarily related to just the current, demo, um, current situation, but that's been working really well for clients for quite a while, which is specifically paid social. Mm. Um, so utilizing Facebook ads to uh, build your audiences. So using, you know, top line brand video to give exposure and go really wide for exposure, but use the video view ad type to eliminate, to have people eliminate themselves or opt in. So what I mean by that is, I'm just going off my head. If it was someone like me and I work a lot with um, businesses, for example, in the healthcare sector. So if I, if I had a video, it was me and I said something like, um, if you're a business in the healthcare sector and struggling with your marketing right now, here are three tips to help you or something. So if I'm not, if you've watched that, you're not in healthcare, you're not interested in marketing, you go away. You're not interested yet. If you are interested, you keep watching. So then past the 10 second point, build into a separate audience and that top line, if I'm not even paying for those first 10 seconds, someone's watched, I'm not paying for someone who's not relevant to me. However, people that have been bled into that second audience, we then hit them with another video and blogs and, you know, inform, educate kind of stage, move them into a separate audience, separate audience. And you just kind of narrow it all the way down the funnel. And that's been a really effective way of utilizing minimal budgets <laughs> where we can make sure that the people, by the time they get down the funnel, they're, they're very well, they're very warm. They're very well exposed to the brand. But at that very top level, we haven't spent a lot of money to kind of bleed them down into the funnel. Yeah, amazing. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing Great advice. for this owner that they also need to think about what does what is a lead worth to you now in when everyone needs more business? What is a lead worth to yeah. you? And what is a realistic cost per acquisition? Because if you can maybe take up £200 to do LinkedIn paid advertising for more B2B, um, although you can use it for consumer as well, it's a great targeting platform. Um, you know, you can really go straight, you know, you can really go further down. So if you think I, I don't have a lot of money to do a huge campaign, but if you think about, okay, I've got 10 brands in my pipeline right now, are those brands seeing your content? You'll probably have a title of that brand that you want to get in front of. And you, know, you can create a LinkedIn paid advert that where your content have to be an advert, but content where you can have those 10 brands that are in your pipeline for the IT director, for instance, if that's who you need to target. So only they're seeing your content. And fair enough, and LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is an expensive platform. It can be between six to 10 pounds a click, but that's only if they've clicked it. You can still get a few hundred people seeing that. Mm. Advert. So it's like, is that 200 pounds or 50 pounds worth it 
to get the brand, the content in front of the, the brands in your pipeline. Um, and then you, you can also go for lookalikes as well. So also just yeah. thinking that if there's a bit, if you know that you do a particular demographic and audience really well, and you've got really good case studies on it, use that as content and get that in front of brands that look alike them. Um, just yeah. another way of using LinkedIn at the top of the funnel. Really good I think um, for me, I, retargeting ads are a great way to invest because, like you say, if they don't, they don't click, you don't have to pay. They follow you around. And if you're not keen on selling at this time, or you can't because you've been redundant, then staying in someone's mind is another yeah. great way to use the retargeting. And you can do this across Instagram, Facebook, obviously Google ads can follow you around. I've been, you know, all the bits and pieces that I've been looking at on the web has just been following me around lately. So mm -hmm. it's a great way that's, you know, a slightly cheaper way to do some, some ad work without it costing the earth. Yeah. And I think remarketing is that. that we should um, touch on a bit more because actually it's the cheapest way to connect because, um, for instance, if you have, uh, people that have already gone onto your website and you've dropped a cookie and they've gone on for more than 30 seconds That is a really good way of going, you know, social retargeting to get back to them because they're already um, Yeah, already engaged so. Yeah, I think it's really really important especially now when mo for a lot of businesses that we're working with at least that sales cycle has been stretched so some people are curious people are still wanting to mm -hmm. know is they, they are coming to the website they are reading the blogs they are looking at the product pages maybe they're not ready to make the purchase decision yet because they don't have the funds or whatever their reasoning is yet if you can use those retargeting ads to just keep a relationship and stay front of mind for them that is the best use of budget yeah yeah i think adding things such as um i think i think one of you mentioned it adding things like the chat uh mm. plug-in is really great um and the, the the niching actually the finding out who your customer is and making it really focused kind of mine uh is a luxury shoe shoe wear e-commerce website and they have they basically have completely niche their product and it means that they can send really customized emails to a particular group um offering them for want of a better word quite a small discount given how blinking expensive these shoes are but they made they've made an enormous amount of uh, return on their very very small investment i mean it was you know practically practically a plug-ins worth of investment so yeah that, that's the beauty in the niche people are so scared to niche and actually yeah. these are the rewards that you can reap if you niche yeah so you know that's if there's if, if that's something you can do as a business if you can niche down even further than you can, then mm. do it. And so many people are scared, oh, I'm scared, you know, but I, well, I want to do this and I want to do that as well. You'll find that when you niche, you'll still get those other leads and those other inquiries because they go, oh, do you also do this? Like, yeah, I do actually. So you'll still get those um, inquiries in. Um, but again, people are a little bit, bit, bit frightened out there to, to actually niche down into a specific industry or you know like a clientele yeah I, i've really noticed that actually they almost feel like to niche is to take a um it's to take a leap of faith to be brave but actually i think it's the opposite oh, um i think it's um 
I mean, look, it is being entrepreneurial, I think is brave, full stop. Um, but to niche, I think can also really focus your energies and your thoughts and your content. I mean, it effectively feeds every area of your marketing communication. Sales content can be absolutely precise. And like yeah. Stacey says, your, your avatar can, you know, you'll know them inside out and you'll know their pain. But if you've got a few avatars, then like, who do you market to? Which advert do I do for what? Across what yeah. platform, you know? It's, 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 a, it's something to think about. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point actually with the, it's okay to have multiple campaigns running and it's okay to have multiple things going. Although we are limited on resource and time, it doesn't necessarily True. still mean that one fits all. And I think it's quite an important point that oh, we're going to do, you know, you're going to need your marketing to less is more, but yeah, I wouldn't just, if you do have multiple avatars and multiple campaigns, keep them. It's just focus on which channel's right for you. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting you, post, you both mentioned about the fear factor and that's coming up quite a lot at the moment in fear of being insensitive by putting social content out there, fear of not wanting to come across in the wrong way. So actually we're just moving away from it. And for some, for some cases I, I can understand it, but as Elle was saying earlier, this is the time to kind of be bold and be brave, but be human first. Um, yeah. And if you really are not too sure about social right now and you want to reduce your social, uh, people are still searching. And if you haven't got your SEO to exactly where it needs to be, um, maybe you're not going to have the time for it right now because it's not going to give you a short-term return, but PPC will. And if you even have small budgets, 50 pounds a month just for PPC, um, and you're going for very specific search terms that you might be worried about putting on social, people are still searching for them. It's just maybe we're not talking about it as much because we're all a bit worried and we're all talking about you know, the crisis that's happening right now. So um, definitely use PPC as more of a backdoor route that isn't so in your face like social and paid social would be. I've had a lot of discussions with my clients and, and other Zoom conversations about whether or not we should be selling right now. Yeah, and I've had a lot of conversations around I, that. So again, I don't know if all our opinions are different. And, and yeah, like totally sell. I mean, I'm not saying you should bombard people. <laughs> I know you might feel differently, Al, sorry. Um, but <laughs> I'm saying that we are, yes, um, we're going through some weird times right now, but we still need to be out there asking for the sale, in my opinion, because if we are all busy doing it, because we're all busy and we've all, we've all filled our time, whether we're furloughed, we've got, you know, mammoth amount of work, or, you know, we've been, you know, business has gone down the pan, we've all filled our time. So as far as I'm concerned, I think, how you yes you might change your sales um direction but mm. asking for the sale is still really important i i i agree i mean you know it's that it's that word profit isn't it which are people again get you know feel a bit sick when they say sometimes um a, another example of a client actually where, where i you know hat tip to them is they've talked about selling a product and they've talked about their supply chain. So, they've, so what that means is they said, yeah, you bought X, which is really helped Y and Z because actually Y and Z are having a really tough time at the moment. You know, their factory, um, sorry, shouldn't call them factory, their workshop uh, has, has you know, been closed for, for COVID-19 reasons and some of their families have had a really tricky time. 
obviously don't lie, you know, be authentic. But actually, if people understand what they're buying and how it doesn't just help your brand, it helps multiple people, it then suddenly becomes a, a, a bit of a no-brainer. People are absolutely... I've, met, I've seen a massive, massive upturn in people not just donating, but actually donating their time. So the volunteer sector is, is, is really booming, actually, especially in communities. You know, people really want to um, help others. And if, if your customers know who your supply chain is, then they'll probably be more inclined to go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy into that. Awesome. I think with the um, go back to the the funnel. If you're if you're if you're really monitoring your numbers, and you might not be able to do every channel, so really pick you know the channel that is going to be right right for you in the next ninety days that um, you can start to track. And you know it's, it's it's test and learn at this point. No one has the golden answer, so just be a bit, you know have it as an option to test and learn on the, on these channels that you pick. Um, understand those numbers at the top so where is your dropout and the dropout will tell you where you need to focus um, and it takes us to that sort of next level of the funnel which is around that landing pages data capture and websites and seeing quite a lot of there was this big peak in chatbots and um, chat functions on websites I'm seeing them dropping off a bit more now seeing quite a good return from the calendarly integrations so that you can go straight into a person and book time with them that seems to be getting a much better return than chat um, but how, what, what are you guys seeing on that? And I suppose, especially you, Cheryl, on the, if at the point in the funnel, you're seeing that the, you're, you're driving people to your site, but they're not staying for more than 20 seconds or you're losing them in under 10 seconds. Um, and they're definitely not, you know, converting into data. Um, what are the kind of tips uh, and that we can give everyone to, to help with that? Um, you need to create engaging, high value content really to and you need to prompt them and ask them questions so when someone arrives on your website you need to be able to point them in the right direction which is what I think well of course you know it's all laid out but until you see somebody else using your website you don't really know how your user is using the site so I would ask and again, you'd have to stand over them, which I know you, we can't do right now, but if there's someone in your household that you can ask to just navigate through your website, you will be so shocked at the way they use your website, because I guarantee it's not the same way you use your website. So if you can, or get someone to record, I mean, we, we can set up a Zoom or a screen share and ask them, someone that's, you know, uh, that knows how to do all this kind of stuff, you know, if can you record yourself going through my site and you know ask five ten people if they'll do that they'd be very kind if they did and see how they navigate through because you'll be so the feedback that you get from that exercise alone would be quite surprising so again to keep them on the site you have to have all the content that um stacy was talking about earlier and that might seem a little bit overpowering, you know, some, some of you might be a one man band, you know, your team's furloughed, like what, what can I do? You know, I need, um, and there are um, websites and things that you can do um, that, that, that will help you with your content. So creating fantastic, engaging content, there's apps. And again, if you, if you want any help with, with, with some of those, um, I can supply you with some links and some cool apps that, that will help you. But, Ultimately, 
in order for them to stay on longer, the content, the copy, the images have got to be engaging mm-hmm. and they've got to find something that they actually like. Let's be fair. Awesome. Does anyone want to? I think it's uh, I think it's a really interesting point because yeah, even just having a Zoom with someone and letting them screen share and letting them take it through is really interesting. I've seen a couple of projects like that and it's been really interesting just before we launch. Um, and then maybe the other one is there's a few good like free um, heat mapping. So if you've had your site up for a while, put one of the free heat maps on and see where people are using where they're dropping off. It's really interesting to see certain parts of the pages that are not even being used and actually yeah. the most important call to actions there that usually happen. So yeah, free it's, um, it's always- heat maps. Yeah, it's always really surprising. We use um, Hotjar with a lot of our clients. And because I think it's the first thousand views of free or something, I can't quite remember. Um, And it just shows how, you know, how your viewers are are navigating your website. And it is absolutely game changing because you can make really quick decisions around how to how to upgrade your website effectively. Yeah. Uh, and get the response that you want. So yeah, Hotjar. Definitely. And, and use Hotjar on your FAQs pages because you'll see which which question. That's great advice. Which question they like? Well, that is the most um, you know asked question of all. And then you can take that content and and do a video on it. You can turn it into a blog because you know already that that is the kind of question that everyone everyone wants to know. Yeah. I think also oh, looking at the um, sales conversion cycle and if we, uh, anyone that's gone out to events or networked before or people that we've met, you uh, meet someone, you've met them a couple of times, you build that relationship and then it's a lot easier to say sell or start to work together because you've had that. Um, and then what happens with inbound marketing is people assume, well, they've seen my content, they've clicked my website, well, of course they're going to buy. Why haven't they given me their data? And if you think about that compared to actually meeting someone a few times and that's a human interaction, um, mm. there's that psychology that they need to be transferred to that journey so they might have seen a few posts or start to follow you and have a few touch points but the landing on that website like what Cheryl was saying was that needs to humanize who you are as a team and if you can cut down all of those touch points through video or really strong content that you would do if you met at an event would help you shorten your sales cycle but also get more data uh, I don't know if you've got any advice on how you guys have done that for other projects or even on your own brands. I think just repurposing is such an important thing. And I think we, a lot, to, a lot of businesses forget how many touch points somebody needs in order to make a purchase decision, especially it's not, if you've got, you know, you're selling a low cost e-commerce um, type thing where I'm spending 20 quid on something, no problem. That cycle is probably pretty short. But if you're asking someone to spend, you know, thousands of pounds or hundreds of pounds on something, that is, mm. that's, a, that's a process that we all go through, no matter how much our disposable income is. I had something really interesting recently. I signed a client um, probably two months ago now who has come to watch me speak three times, same topic, same stuff, literally came to three different events to watch me speak. Read my, read my whole book. So you guys know that I wrote this book, Get Online, has read that. Um, and only, so that's a year of, a year of watching what I was doing um, by attending, you know, liking our social media pages, watching all the video content that we share across LinkedIn, et cetera, before he finally sends an email and says, oh, I'd like to talk to you about this. 
And of course, by the time I had the sales conversation, converts within 24 hours, we get things launched. But I had no idea that there was a year of him just watching in the background, you know? So I think we do need to be thinking, how do we, you can't just, just, just you know, get rid of the people that have observed, come and uh, interacted with you in some way, and then haven't converted. Like you have to keep them in the pipeline. You have to keep nurturing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we don't want clients that take a year to <laughs> sign up to say something necessarily, but I'm not going to say no to the reader, you but know, it totally so happens, it, right? It really happens. It absolutely does. You're, yeah. Um, you're so I, right. Yeah. I'd like to jump on that actually, because people write these blogs, companies write these blogs, they put them out, or they might even be very good and put them out for say a week or two. And then they forget about them and they never repurpose them. Mm-hmm. So what we can do in this time is go over and start scheduling out all your old content. And again, if you've got a content manager, then they should be doing this for you anyway. But um, another fantastic tip is if you can go back to your blogs that have already been written and re- like not rewrite them, but add to them, add more photographs, mm-hmm. split them up yeah. a bit so it's more readable, so it's more user-friendly and actually add to the blog mm. your lifetime um uh, span with a blog that has more content is going to last longer than if it has um 500 words or lower so getting to and again this is quite a daunting uh, number but 2000 words per blog i'm not well, you know i'm not saying you should go back in and just make it think 2000 words but if you did do that and you've got the time to do that right now or just changing stuff up on stuff that you've already written it's already in the bank then google loves that mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah, a great point I had this too, where it's like we looked at the in the april reports that we just produced um we always report on top 10 sort of performing pieces of content we've had this one blog post that's two and a half years old every month every single month top performing blog post so it's there's something to be said for making sure that you're repurposing and keeping that front of mind if that is what people are interested yeah. in Totally. And if you can find out which is your most uh, targeted blog, uh, you know, visited blog, then you can do uh, customized lead magnets in order to get them on your list. So if it's hopefully it's something relevant into your business, you know, and then do a, a separate lead magnet. Again, it could be a quiz, a checklist, um, information that's obviously valuable to get them on your list. And then that's another way in because you know that that particular blog gets 20% more of the traffic on your site. Yeah. I think there's that, uh, it's again, just using the free tools. And um, if you're comfortable with Google Analytics and it's fine, if you haven't and you've got a bit of a barrier to it, there's um, like a six step. Um, Google have done a really interesting and easy to use um, uh, training guide which is like the six steps to learning Google Analytics. And those videos are really useful, they're free, and they will just help you understand it a bit more. But getting that um, insight from where you are right now is key to building that plan for the next, say, 90 days. Um, And just before we wrap up, I just wanna um, maybe just pull focus back onto that. So if we've got to the point where we've taken stock, we know our numbers, we know where we're at, we know where the drop-offs are, and we now need to start building a plan for the next 90 days to help us either convert more people that are already on our website or drive more people to the top of the funnel. Um, what in sort of summary are your, your like top takeaways and tips to help people build that plan? Who wants to start? 
Shall I yeah, start? A, Go on. Yes, Data, you start for sure. No, no Cheryl, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl, sorry. <laughs> yeah, not you, Cheryl. <laughs> Oh, go on then. <laughs> well, I actually think that, um, again, it depends on your budget. And I know our talk is if you've got limited um, budget. So I would con concentrate on, if you can, again, if you can outsource some um, design for your site. And again, I'm assuming that your site's rubbish, you know, like, how rude. Um, but actually invest in and have a look at your competition and see what they're doing. And lots of people are a little bit worried about, you know, smooching around and looking at, you know, I can't look at them, but that is the worst thing you can do. Let's go and have a look at your competition. We can all do that, that's free, right? We're not gonna, you know, let's just see what works. What, what draws you in and what do you like? And then just take the best bits. We're not talking about copy, you know, we're not talking about stealing copy, we're not talking about, you know, ripping off design or anything like that. But actually going in and seeing what, you you know you you're attracted to is going to be around the same things that your clientele is going to be attracted to too so definitely go and look at your competition definitely go and have a look at your your blog or a few blogs that are being targeted the most on your site have a look at your lead generations does it need updating could you add a fantastic additional i know bonus um checklist to that to that download to give it a little bit more clout can you um, add a chatbot? Can you add um, hot jar? Can you add hello bar? You know, like there's there's some there's some aspects um, that you can add to your site, but ultimately it needs to be fantastic design. Mm -hmm. If I had to give one tip, I would say take time out for planning. I don't know if the advice was one tip, but um, I would say take time for planning because I think the problem is for everybody is if, if you just jump in and try to react to everything that's going on, you're just sort of flinging stuff out there and hoping it sticks. And I think that is quite dangerous in the current climate and particularly if you're lacking time and resources and money and everything that you need to do, you know, full a full marketing pipe, a pipeline that you just need to be very strategic about what you're doing. So I think going away, doing the audit, looking at that um, pipeline that Charlotte walked us through, really just deciding this is what I'm putting my energy into and starting there. But just stepping back, taking three days, seven days, whatever it is to just go into research, looking at the numbers, planning, and then choosing the one place to start. I think that's the best piece of advice for any business right now. Yeah, I, t I totally agree with that. I think don't underestimate the, the power of, I think I spoke to you about this, Charlotte, on Monday. Sometimes taking a step back takes a massive leap forwards. Um, mm. it, you'll, never, you'll never really get an opportunity like this again, I think, in, in all honesty, in, in this due to the pandemic, where you're actually, you can actually really assess you know, what, what you want and, and what you want to, how you want to grow. So in terms of the kind of 90 day plan, I would definitely, how, how weird I would start with planning, <laughs> but get down and dirty with your values, get, get really get to know what your mission statement is and, and what you want to give back to the, to the world in your future and go from there. Um, and even if, like Stacey said, it's a, a few days or a week, you don't underestimate that investment of time that you're making, you're putting into yourself because it will pay back dividends in the future. 
Awesome. Yeah, I think there's so many great tips here and this will also be recorded um, and uh, published tomorrow. So you can always go back. Um, and if there's any other questions or challenges, you can contact us directly and we can definitely um, cover those. If there's any challenges yeah. that have come up that haven't been um, covered, please do fill them in the chat quickly. Um, but I think for me, moving into the 90 day uh, plan for this is, um, for me, it's starting with the, it's starting with the audit, looking at where the pit holes are, pitfalls yeah. are and just focusing on them. So if that is engagement, change your tone, humanize it, soften it, use a um, free social reporting tool to look at the best day and time for your audience. Um, there's some great tools that all brands can invest in, um, which can give you not only what hashtags are working best, what uh, day and time to go out on, but also as Cheryl was saying, looking at your competitors, you can now use free tools to look at what your competitors are doing socially as well as online. Um, and that's real insight. Um, uh, I agree with Elle, like the values have to drive everything now, probably more so than ever. And if you can humanize your brand at every touch point, um, in the same way you would do as an owner manager or a marketer going out into a networking event, um, I would bring that into your content in, into a much softer, a much softer tone. Um, using the back doors uh, like PPC and paid LinkedIn. Um, and if you, you know, if you can't do everything, you just need to do one thing and you've got, you know who you want to go after, you know what brand you want to talk to, you know what, uh, you know who's in your pipeline right now. Sales and marketing need to work closer than ever and they need to feed those yeah. brands and titles and use paid LinkedIn to start to, to drive people into that funnel. Um, nice one. So thank you all so much for giving up your time and the chat's been really um, interesting. Sorry if we've missed anything. Um, it'll be great to get any feedback or do let us know if we need to come back on any other challenges that you've got. Um, and otherwise, good luck to you all in your marketing and we'll see you soon on the next Lively Lunch and Learn.